Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 198 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, we said it at the same time. What's happening? I got the day off, so I'm just relaxing. Went for a run. It's beautiful. 75 here in uh, Florida. 75. <laughs> I woke up to four degrees. I think we're up to eight now. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's too cold for me. Even I won't go running in that. Yeah, that's like, I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even be able to handle that. <laughs> I let Ugh. the dogs out and my face hurts. That's how cold it is. <laughs> wow. Seriously, wanting to get out of this cold. Yeah. Visions 21 is only about two weeks away. I know. I went shopping today. Oh, yeah? You get some new uh, gambling clothes? Is that what you did? Yep. Sure did. <laughs> I can't wait. It's been so long. It's been about two years since I've been. Same here. So the podcast, we will not be there recording, but I'm going to be there with Preet. And Barb, you're going to be there... Doing what? I'm going to be. What, <laughs> what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be there listening to all of the speakers and talking to all my friends and networking and maybe have a cocktail or two. Nice. That's what it's all mm-hmm. about, people. It's all about connecting and talking with other people in our industry. So there's still time to sign up. They have no vaccine mandate like uh, certain Chicago's that are coming up. Mm-hmm. So Visions 21, January 20 to the 22nd in Las Vegas. So make sure you head over to nadl.org slash events to see the lineup and to register. I think it's going to be in the 60s there. So for me, <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. I bet you are. <laughs> so every year there is a vote to determine the best dental-related podcast. We've participated in many, many years. I think this is our third or fourth year. I think it's fourth. Fourth year. Actually, one of the years we did really well. So let's see if we can do it again. So there are so many podcasts for dentists, hygienists, dental assistants, and the office staff, and there is still only one for dental laboratories. Or we should say there's only one in the U.S., Yeah. As we'll find out later in this episode. So we're asking the industry to rise up and come together and let all of the dental people know that the laboratory is the best aspect of dentistry. Head over to dentalpodcast.org or to the link on this episode's show notes before January 31st to vote for Voices from the Bench. We are, of course... And the dogs say, go for it, everybody. We are... We are, of course, at the bottom of the list. Now, you can vote for up to four podcasts, but sadly, you can't vote for ours four times. So please tell everyone in your lab to vote, and let's show these others what we are all about. How many times have you voted, Barb? Um, This year, none. Well, let's get on that. Last year, at least five. Yes. Let's see if we can do at least six this year. All right, I'm in. (laughs) So a while back, we found out that there's a dental laboratory podcast in the UK done in Portuguese. It's called something I really can't pronounce, but it loosely translates to talking at the bench. And it turns out that one of the hosts speaks English. So, of course, we invited him on to talk about his podcast and about dental laboratories in Portugal. Now, we had no idea how amazing Hugo Souza is. Nice job on the name, Elvis. Thank you. I listened to it at least six times. <laughs> He's not like other lame hosts of dental podcasts that you might have heard of. This guy is in the process of getting his PhD in dental technology. I mean, how cool is that? Hugo comes on the podcast to talk about getting into the industry, going to a university in Portugal that was actually started by a bunch of Americans then going to Japan to continue his learning, and then now he's teaching at the university and, of course, hosting his podcast. He's doing some amazing things that's really interesting. So join us as we chat with Hugo Souza. Whitmix is super excited to announce the new Pro 4K large format 3D printer from Asiga. The open material printer for 385NM and 405NM resins features renowned Asiga reliability and super fast print mode for large batch printing of virtually all 
print resins. It's ideal for printing any kind of model, dentures, splints, surgical guides, impression trays, and more. As with other Asiga printers, the Pro 4K features the SPS, Smart Positioning System Technology, which ensures that the build platform is in the correct position when forming each layer, providing repeatable accuracy and production continuity. The Asiga Pro 4K DL printer is priced at under 25 grand has a large build plate and is available in both versions. For more information about the Asiga Pro 4K, visit Whitmix.com. We appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Voices from the Bench The Interview we are super excited today to welcome a fellow podcaster in the world of dental laboratory technology, Hugo Sosa. How are you, sir? Uh, yeah, yeah, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> that was a Z. Sosa. 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 There you go. I, I need to stop asking people how to pronounce it because I just get yes, it wrong anyways. <laughs> Hugo, how are you, sir? Oh, all, all amazing here. All amazing yeah. here in the UK. Yeah. In the UK. So... <laughs> Yeah. We've mentioned your podcast before. It's a Portuguese podcast, mm-hmm. but you're in the UK. Yeah. So this is like an interesting dynamic. But first, do me a favor. Pronounce your podcast for people, because I remember when I tried, it was terrible. Well, my podcast in Portuguese is a Conversa Bancada. Well, it's basically more or less the same as you guys have, right? It's just the dental technicians talking uh-huh. uh, about the, the profession. And uh, we try to go more into the route of actually listening to their careers. We don't talk about that much about maybe dental techniques or what kind of person to use. Or we don't go into that route. We try just to, to listen to the stories. We just want to give a voice to the dental technicians a bit sitting on the... You know, and you know exactly how it is. You just sit on your bench your whole life. And you, no one knows <laughs> anything about your stories, so we try to just give a voice to the, the dental technicians in the, um, in the country. At the beginning, when I had the, the initial idea, I had a quick look online, and I didn't find any dental podcasts in Portuguese. And when I looked at the time, I said, oh, "Let's see if there's any dental podcasts in the UK." So I couldn't find in the UK or Portugal. Really? But the, oh. the very very beginning, I was thinking, okay, what I can do is I'll do one episode in Portuguese. And one episode in English. <laughs> so I'll do for both. Because, yeah. because, because let's be honest, Elvis. I was thinking that, oh, this is going to be really easy. This is not going <laughs> to take any of my time. No. Just literally talking, recording, and posting. Oh, it's going to be really easy. But then when I actually started doing it, I sent a little audio in Portuguese to a colleague of mine in Portugal. So look, I, I did this introduction. What do you think? Do you think it's a little project we can start? Say, oh, no, it sounds amazing. Let's do this. Then when I did the first two or three in Portuguese, I started thinking, yeah, I'm not going to do the one in English. <laughs> I'm not, not going to do the one. It's going to take enough. a lot of my time. After like a week or two, after doing the first recording, I think, yeah, first recording, I, start, I started thinking, no, no, wait, wait. I, at some point of my life, I actually listened to a podcast about dental technology. Because like I was mentioning, I listened to your first episodes in 2018. Because at some point I changed labs uh, here in the UK, and the lab that I moved to, uh, I wasn't allowed to use headphones or anything. What? At that point, I stopped listening to your podcast. So at, I think that in the back of my mind, I think that your podcast had a lot of influence in my let's unquote idea of uh, of starting a podcast. Wow, it's great. Our podcast started from an idea from another podcast too. This is how it grows. I'm curious, what does the title translate into to English? Talking, talking at the bench. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, talking at the bench. I like it. Yeah, I think. So take us back because we like stories as well. So take us back to how you actually before your podcast. You know, how did you get into the industry? How long have you been in it? And what do you do at the bench? I'm a second generation. I think like Barb is. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a second generation. My dad is a dental technician in Portugal. He's like the old old school. Like he only does removable. Has nothing to do with implants or doesn't know what a porcelain furnace is. <laughs> Wow. He still uses the same flasks he used when he started working in the, in the early <laughs> 80s, the same machine, every, the same thing. And at some point I was looking into, oh, I need to find something that I'm, I'm going to go to uni. 
but I need to find a career. And my mom had the idea of actually, why don't you just go to uni, do the course, and uh, you come back, uh, sit on What your, is uni? Uh, university, sorry. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just go to to go to university, come back to their hometown, sit next to your dad, and just take over the business. When I actually went to university and started learning about porcelain and implants, and you start learning about all of that, and you think, ooh, this is a, a, a world a lot bigger than I thought. So I fall in love at that point with the, with the dental dental technology. This was uh, 14 years, 15 years ago, around that time that I... F- the university had a dental technology program? Yes, we have three universities in Portugal with the dental technology course. The funny wow. story is in that you probably don't know, and I do. I did write this because I wanted to tell you this. Yeah. At some point in the uh, late 80s, beginning of the 90s in Portugal, the profession was the same as in every uh, other country, right? You literally just learned the, the trade from your neighbor or your father or yeah, for yeah. someone and you started working. So at that stage, Portugal wanted to make it more of an academic thing, right? So you actually need to go to university and learn the trade. So at that point, they applied for a project called Project Hope, which is a nonprofit organization from the United States that helped countries improve the, the knowledge and the abilities and the tools in the, in the health department in, the, in several countries. So the, the, the first actual professors of dental technology in Portugal that started the course were Americans. They were all Americans. They all came from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ferris State University. Oh, yeah. Michigan. Yeah. I think they started the course in, if I'm not 100% sure about the dates, but I'm I'm not going to be that far. But it's around 85, 87. I think that's the, the, some technicians from the United States went to Portugal to start the course. At that point, what they did was uh, students will learn dental technology in Portugal for three years. And then some of the students would travel to the United States for another two years to Damn. study uh, for um, to to learn about health education sciences. So when they came back to Portugal, they actually had the skills not only in the lab and in education as well to slowly take over the course. While the the, the project Hope would start slowly uh, step back and leave it yeah. to the students to run. So that's how actually the, the course started started in Portugal at an, uh, a, university, a university level. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I had no idea. So were you one of the students that went to the USA for two years? No, no. That was like in the mid-80s. Oh, so way long ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we still have, which I think it's amazing, the students that actually did the course are still there. A lot of them are still there running the course and trying to improve it. I think that the, the the team that came from the United States to Portugal, they left, uh, and uh, I know the teachers, there, and so they, they actually told me this, they left a really good stepping stone. What they left there, the project and what they did was really good. And when they deliver it to the Portuguese technicians, say, look, here you go, now you start running it. Mm. It was a really good project at that point, and they develop it, and uh, it's a really good course. Dental technology right now in Portugal is a, it's a really good course. Yeah. When I did mine, was four years. I had to stay four years in uni, university. Damn, wow, four years. So take us through the four-year course. So did you learn everything, or did they? Everything, yeah. That's everything, a lot. Yeah. Wow. You learn everything from removable to implants to ceramics to chrome dentures. And then you have the, the normal classes like biophysics and anatomy. And yeah, you're going to go through everything. Uh, when I left, CATCAM wasn't that strong yet. But I know that yeah. now the university right now, they do teach CATCAM and they have deals with some CATCAM companies that puts the scanners and printers there inside the universities for the, the students to learn. That's fantastic. So, Hugo, you probably know that here in America, the schools for dental technology, there's only a few left. Why is Portugal still going so strong? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I find it fascinating that it was, you know, Americans went over there, they built it up, and here it is decades later and still strong. I think the t- the team that they left. I think the team that they left there. They were good students, and uh, they became really good teachers with all the, the, the what they learned when they traveled to Michigan yeah. and what they learned there and what they brought back. 
and uh, the team was really good at that point and they started to live, develop something something really good there inside Portugal uh, there is like there is an universities here in England as well that teach dental technology I teach in one of them at Bolton University oh, no wow. once once a week I go there once a week to teach and uh, there are some universities here in England as well I think that the university in Portugal, they do, I think that it is a little bit better. There is a little bit better what they teach and how they teach it. But there's still, there is good universities here in the UK as well. And so Elvis doesn't get any hate mail. There's good, good uh, dental technology programs in the USA as well. Oh, there's fat. Yeah, sorry. No, there's great ones. There's just not that many. Yeah, they're just closing. <laughs> I should throw that in there for you, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. So in Portugal, are you required to go to school to become a dental technician? Well, it's it's one of those tough conversations, right? It's like it's probably around the same as here in England. For you to be recognized and treated as a dental technician, and you can use the words dental technician, yes, you need to go to university and do uh, the course and finish the course. Mm-hmm. But if, of course, if if like like here in England, if you grab someone out of the street, sit him in the lab call him a, a process worker and you sign off his jobs and you take responsibility for the job before he leaves the lab. Yeah, you can still employ someone that actually doesn't have the degree. Still employ him, but again, it, he's not treated as a dental technician. He's a process worker. Hmm. Yeah. And probably makes less money, huh? He probably less, makes less yeah, money, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. What the university in Portugal started to develop, and you you have a little bit more, and you have it in England as well, is uh, you can start doing your master's degree, or you can do a PhD in dental technology as well. So they started to develop all of those um, higher steps in, in, in education. Hmm. You could have a PhD in it? Wow. Well, it's, it's, it's actually, well, a funny thing is I actually started mine uh, three weeks ago. So wow. let's, ah, let's, good for let's, you. Let's see, let's see how that goes. Let me know if I need to redo the introduction as Dr. Hugo. So. <laughs> in, in four to six years, we'll talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, one thing that I wanted to mention here is uh, if you actually have some listeners that want to go into that route of maybe getting a master's degree uh, in dental technology or a PhD, but I, I'm not 100% sure about this. I'm, I'm sure that you can confirm this, but doing a master's degree or a, a PhD in the US, it's going to be really expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. Really expensive. yeah. Talk about All of education is really expensive. 60, 60 grand a year or something like that for, for a PhD. Yeah. If someone in, in the U.S. actually wants to do a master's degree or a PhD in, let's say, Portugal, which be, will be a lot cheaper, PhD will probably be four grand a year. Something like that. Whoa. It, is, it is something that it's possible. So people that are listening and actually want to go through the academic route and university route and actually teach or maybe, maybe for research purposes, they can do PhDs outside of the U.S. in universities. Like in Portugal, there is some here in the U.K. as well. They will be a little bit more expensive. I did my master's degree in uh, Cardiff University, which is a long-distance course. It's three years uh-huh. instead of one. Uh, you don't actually need to go to the university. Everything is online. Everything is e-learning. Practical work will be sent from the U.K., from Cardiff, to any part of the world. You'll send the models. They you need to do the work, send it back to get a to get a mark. So you can literally do a master's or PhD outside of the U.S. for a, a, a price a lot lower than what you can wow. do in the U.S. You don't hear about that too often. People getting their master's degree in it. It's cool. Hey, so did you follow your mother's advice? And when you graduated in Portugal, did you go, did you go back you home and work with your father? No, no, I didn't. I'm sad to say that I didn't. No, my dad retired two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, two years ago. And um, the lab is still there. My dad still does a little bit of work. but um, Nobody ever retires. There. Yeah. <laughs> the lab is still there. No, I didn't. I didn't. I think that uh, I'll, I'll blame. What I blame is uh, I blame ceramics because my dad doesn't do ceramics. And I fell in love with ceramics from the from the start, from the beginning of university. Yeah. I absolutely loved ceramics. When I finished university, I went to a lab. I worked in metal for four years. So just the, the waxing of the copings and still there wasn't a, a, a zirconia wasn't a big thing then. So I was still yeah waxing the the metal bridges, um, 
um, mm. uh, opaqueing all the steps, and then I would give the metal uh, to the ceramics to do to do all the the layering of the porcelain. And but I always look at that and say, I want to do this. I want to be a ceramist one day. That was the goal. Yeah. Um, so I from there I moved. I was look, working in a lab in the middle of Portugal. I moved to Lisbon. Uh, back again to work in a big big factory lab in Portugal which factory lab in Portugal is not the same as a factory lab in the US factory lab in Portugal is a small lab <laughs> comparing what you have there in the in the, the US uh, I remember that when I was working in a production production lab in Portugal it's still the biggest lab in Portugal I had to do I think it was 8 to 10 units a day wow how many people were in the lab oof good question i remember that um, probably around 10 ceramists and that was a large lab wow yeah eight ten ceramists that's the the biggest lab in portugal when i was working there yeah so no answering your question no i never went back to my hometown to work with my dad Uh, but it's still it's still a door that I, i keep open maybe one day if we never know. I'll go back to my hometown, just do some dumb dentures, get some money, and and that's call it a day. Did <laughs> <laughs> you end up in the UK then? Well, I ended in the UK first of all because I always liked the, the English culture. I don't know why. I'll be <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because of British music, uh, British comedy. When I was growing up, so I liked that part of England, and it made always made me look into England as an option in my future career. Well, maybe yeah. one day I'll go into to that country to work. But because at the, that time I was already looking into more of the university, like a master's degree and doing a little bit more at the, that academic level. And there weren't any master's degree at that point in Portugal in dental technology. And, and let's be honest, salaries in Portugal are a bit low comparing with the UK. I was saying, I'll go to the UK, I'll get some money, I'll get some uh, money there, I'll invest in my education at that point, I'll do a master's degree, maybe a PhD or something, and then at that point I'll come back, I'll try to do this in three or four years. I've been in the UK for seven years. So it's, <sighs> you, get, you, you, you start making your life uh, abroad and new friends, buy a house, and all of a sudden you're like... Oh God, I'm stuck in this country. Yeah, <laughs> you're invested. <laughs> Where exactly are you? Uh, more in the north in England, so uh, close to York. Okay, I've been there several times. I-, I fell in love with it as well at a very young age. I just love it there. It's a nice place to live, especially. I always say that uh, even for my friends in Portugal that want to come and visit England, I always say, look, don't just come to England and visit the big cities. Don't just go to Manchester or Liverpool. Try the little towns in England. I think that's the best part of England. It's the little towns. You feel the culture and you still have that, all that tea culture that you can go to the little tea house and have a tea and a scone and all that culture yeah. that, that the English still have. The pub culture, after work, you go to with your mates to the pub and have some beer. That, that culture is still there and, it, and it's really nice. The big cities is, is well, right, the same as the, as the US. It's just People just just running from commuting from work home, and no one's talking to you. And yeah, I always say that try the, the little the little towns. Cool. So when you went to the UK, did you have a lab lined up to work at? Or yes, I was you... really I was yeah. really lucky at that point. Uh, I actually went on Facebook, uh, met a Portuguese guy that was already working here in the in the UK at that point. I just sent mm-hmm. him a message saying, "Look, I'm." Just just to start the conversation, look, I'm thinking about going to the UK. Do you know anything? Is there any lab? Because at that point, I only had like one, one and a half years of experience as a ceramist. I was like, look, is there any lab actually looking and giving opportunity to someone starting in the in the Crown and Bridge department? And he actually had a lab that he knew he was doing some part-time there in um, in Birmingham. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I, yeah, I came to the UK just for a bench test, which supposedly was to be uh, was meant to be uh, two, three days bench tests, something like that. I ended up staying the whole week in the lab, working. The lab was really busy at the time, so well, you know how labs are. You start at nine and you leave at ten at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah, it's just sorry, sorry. It's just here in the UK. Yeah. Oh and, no! Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, I ended up staying late every single day and uh, going to dinner with the, the owner of the lab every night. And uh, yeah, we started a friendship at that point and he gave me a job offer. Uh, I think I was really lucky, to be honest with you, because um, he actually owned a little house close to the lab which is always something a little bit hard when you move to a different country. Like, okay, I need to find a house. How does this yeah, legally yeah, work? Sure. Can I can I legally rent a house? Uh, all, all these steps and open a bank account. How does this work? And uh, he actually said, look, I have a house. I can rent you a room. I will ha- I'll go with you to, with, to the bank. And if they ask if you're employed, I'm your boss. So I'm sitting right next to you and say, he's employed with me. So, yeah, I, I was really lucky at that point when I actually started the beginning was, I think I was, it was really nice to start like that. Yeah. Wow. But the the bench test was two to three days? Yes, it was two to three days. Yes, I still remember That's that. intense. <laughs> I've never heard of something that long. It is because after that, I already changed labs a couple of times here in the UK. And uh, I think it's the only time that I actually did the bench test for two or three days. Normally, just, yeah, yeah. one day you come in, sure. build, build some crowns. And let's be honest, we all work as dental technicians. If you want to see is is like in as a ceramist you just hit him give him a couple of centrals and laterals and you quick you can quickly see what he can do at the bench right mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, but yeah that one was a was a bit longer yeah do you use emacs no i use uh lisi lisi okay lisi parson yes uh, normally i uh, i use gc if yeah. For metal or for um, for the zirconia or the lithium disilicate i use i use gc do you guys still do a fair amount of PFMs over there? I think we Elvis and I talked to somebody at one point and said there's still a, a, quite a lot of PFMs in England. In the lab that I'm working right now, no, no, we don't do we don't do a lot. Uh, yeah, we we actually try to push the dentist and not. <laughs> Same. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, yeah, but. Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> because because I learned uh, when I moved to England at the beginning, what I did was think of i hope it was a good plan let's let's see in the future but what i did <laughs> what i did at the beginning was uh, um i spent the first three years four years here in, in england not saving any money just investing all the money that i got on my and my salary and um to, in courses so i just i was literally just doing courses Jeez. so i'm still i'm still a little bit into the old a little bit of the old schooled way of of layering parts i'm not a big fan of just the buckle side i'll be honest i'm not i don't think it's hard to create the translucency uh, in this size ledge so i'm still a little bit of the, the old school layering with the cutback but I was right now. It's it's just it's easier just to go with Emacs or Zircon. Even if you want to do a bigger layering, just do a, a smaller framework, mm-hmm. and you can do it. Uh, at that point, what I did in I think second third year in the UK, I traveled to Japan for a month to study wow. to to study in the um, Osaka Ceramic Training Center, which is it's a one month course. And you basically spend the whole month carving uh, teeth out of plaster blocks to learn morphology. Wow. How did you You find out about that? I found out about that because of some dental technicians that I was doing some courses and they mentioned it. I think one of the technicians that actually went to that school is working in the U.S. It's called Jungo, Jungo Endo. Wow. I think he's still working there. And I attended some courses and he did mention that. So, look, you want to learn morphology, go to this school, do the one-month course, and you're going to spend for the whole month, you're just going to carve teeth out of plaster blocks. That's it. You're just going to carve and carve till you till you understand morphology and you know how to do it. So, yeah, I, I try. I try to, at that point, the, the funny story about the school at, a couple of years ago was they only allowed uh, two to three foreigners a year. Mm-hmm. something like that i think i was in f- for during three to four years in the waiting list just to get into the course but at some point they actually opened the, sc- the school a little bit more to foreigners and um, allowed groups to come in so i got a little group of colleagues uh, three colleagues from portugal another one was from russia and we all went to Japan to the school for for a month, just literally to carve teeth out of plaster. Because so that's what we basically did. We did this some some layering as well, porcelain, but was basically just to learn to learn morphology. 
then I when I came to the UK, what I did was I started with one of the colleagues that went to Japan with me. We started running a morphology course once a year. We teach uh, morphology course in Portugal, and I started uh, a week ago, literally a week ago, doing it here in the UK as well. Uh, just a morphology course in um, anterior teeth. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to run this through my head. So you spend a month carving plastic. <laughs> How do you transform that into your ceramics? I mean, obviously you're, you've learned morphology, but like, how do you put that to use? Like with a burr and with a brush? Yes, especially with a burr. Especially yeah. with a burr. Because if you, you, I know that you work as a ceramist as well. And you, yeah. you know that if you can get the, the dentin and the effects inside the porcelain in the correct position, mm-hmm. right? The amount of enamel that you actually put after, it's not that important because you can always trim it back. But the important mm-hmm. thing is the dentin is and the, the, all the effects and the colors inside. So you, when you transfer that to, to porcelain, you can actually do more of one bake crowns. You, you do put your dentin and your, all your effects and colors in the correct position. Then you overbuild slightly, just slightly, your crown a little bit with the enamel. And then you spend a little bit more time trimming to get that shape. And because you spend so much time carving uh, out of plaster, it's good in terms of, for example, in terms of texture, which is something always hard to do because you spend some time with your instrument actually learning how to do and carving the, the texture. Then to transfer that information into something like ceramics makes it a little bit easier hmm. as well. Uh, one thing that I noticed there uh, in the course is they basically teach you how to carve you just use like two instruments to carve. You're going to use like a scalpel and a lacron. And you're just going to carve with that. When you transfer that information into ceramics, you will, you'll start to see that normally dental technicians like to have 20 different birds in front of them for every, every, <laughs> for every yeah. single thing. And then you start to understand that you don't need all of those birds. Yep. You're probably going to need two or three. You literally just need two or three diamond birds, uh, a couple of discs, and that's it. Yeah. But the burr companies want you to oh, no, no. eat all those burrs. <laughs> of, <course they do. laughs> of course they do. And, you, and because you spend so much time looking into to fine details while, while you're carving in plaster, you actually train your eye into looking into fi- how to f- and finding those details in, in the crown that you're trying to copy. Okay. Which is, it's a really good training as well. Yeah. When you did it in plaster, did you do it bigger than a tooth, or did no, you no, do no? No, no, you do it exactly, size? exactly the same size. What they they do give you a box with a lot, a lot of different teeth and the the the, the size, the, the the normal size, uh, which are copies from from natural teeth, teeth and plaster, and then they give you a little block, literally a little, little block, and say, look, yeah, now just copy this. <laughs> Which was basically how the course, which is funny, that's exactly how the course started. We came in and we think, oh, no, they're going to give us a nice presentation, how to do this and that. And then say, look, no, here's a block, here's a tooth, here's a knife, go. Holy moly. I think I could teach this course. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then after you do one or two and you learn how to do the, the big cuts because the, the initial cuts are just removing all the big axis uh, uh, of the of the plaster, right? And then you get to yeah. that rough shape, which all centrals will have more or less the same shape, the rough shape. And then from there, you try to go into those last 10%, right? The, the fine details and um, the angulations and everything. And because plaster is a little bit like porcelain at some point um, regarding if you remove too much, you need to add in porcelain, which is something you don't want to do because you don't want to put it in the furnace again just add a little bit more and in plaster sure. if you remove a little bit you just ruin everything you do that you've been doing and you can put it in the bin and start all over again so you yes. do you start to train your eye more into the details of how much you actually need to remove in and every at every stage and every angle it's a really good course it's a really good course i would advise anyone that has the opportunity to stop for a, a month or i yeah. do know that if you actually talk with with the school they they will allow you to do a little bit a smaller version of the course maybe three weeks something like that but um i think i would advise anyone that actually has the time to travel and to, to do the course it's a really really good course do that same style when you teach the course now? Well, what I tried to do, and I, maybe it's more than an European thing, maybe in the US, I don't know how it is, but 
people are not big fans of just someone uh, of paying for a course and then just someone walks in, gives them a block of class and say, yeah, yeah, just copy this. <laughs> fans. So what we, we want a big show. Yes, we want, we want exactly. lights and shows and fancy photos and yeah. So what I do is I'd still do that initial step. I'll be honest with you. I'll still do that initial step, which is a bit of a shock, but I think it's good in the course. So the moment they walk in, I still give them a, a tooth and a, the knife and a block and say, look, do your best. And then doing mm. the course, I will do some presentations about the central. Uh, and then I tell them to carve the central. I'll do a presentation about the lateral. They carve the lateral, the same with the canine. And then because it's a two-day course, what I do, what we do is... The tooth that you try to carve in the first day, you will do it again in the last day. So, so you can compare oh, the evolution yeah. you have through, see, yeah. all through the course. The presentations, what I normally do is something a little bit more interactive. I try to connect the presentation to, the, to everyone's cell phone. So they can actually be answering questions on their cell phone while I'm doing the presentation. I'm asking questions. They answer with their phone. And they see a little uh, bar graph of their answers. Yep. So it's a little bit more uh, more interactive. But it's a good course. It's a good course. If at any point uh, you're interested, probably Barb for the lab. If you, uh-huh. just, if you want me for do a little presentation about central, lateral, and canine, like an hour, an hour and a half, I would be more than happy to do that. Love that. Love, love, love that. Cool. It's a really good presentation. It's more, And it's more about that last... 10% of, of morphology. We're not talking about the distal incisal, the, the distal incisal edge of a central is more rounded than the mesial. No, we go more into the, to the details. Why is it like that? Where does the lobe end? Where does the lobe start? It's, it's a good, it's a good course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like you need to offer this to a lot of people. Um... <laughs> I'm always a bit concerned. I'll be always, I'm always a bit concerned that people are not interested in doing it. Maybe it's just me in my head. But every, <laughs> I, I I never started the course here in the UK. I just like I was telling you, I did, just did it a, a week ago, and it was just for inside the lab. I didn't do for people outside. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm always a bit concerned that will people actually like this? But I always get really good feedback. I always get really yeah. good feedback of, because there isn't a lot of courses that actually go more into the details of morphology. Yeah. And and let's be honest. Uh, so important. Morphology is something that even if you buy a hundred books, you're not going to get better. Morphology is practice. Yep. You need to practice. Mm. There isn't just because you have a lot of books in your house and you read them. When you sit on the bench with the, with the handpiece in your hand and the crown, it doesn't matter if you read those, those books, you, you don't have the practice. So it's, it's mm-hmm. good for that. You can spend some time practice. And we try to do that in the course to sit people and say, look, just carve. Just just practice. I'll be here. I'll be guiding you. I'll be calling your attention to this little error that you did, to that little thing that it's working, but you need to practice. Wow. So what's the school like now? What kind of attendance do you have in your class? In the university here in the UK? Yeah. Right now we have, so this year, let me think, we probably had around 28 new students. Around nice. That. It's pretty healthy. Around, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's yeah. good. It's good. I think it's unfortunately it's not enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Never is. I, I think <laughs> I think it's a problem all around the world. You do. I do listen to your podcast, and uh, I uh, everyone mentions it in in the US as well. Yeah. There's a lack of dental technicians. There's a lack of dental technicians here in the UK as well. We do struggle to get good dental technicians now. Uh, the UK is going through um, well. It's through through Brexit, right? And uh, the borders are. Uh, closed uh, to people from Europe coming in easily to the country, mm. which makes it a lot harder for labs to, to find those dental technicians. Mm. So yeah. they're more dependent on what's coming out of the, the universities, which I think will be a big, a big problem uh, in the UK in the, next, in the next couple of years to actually have technicians, technicians to work. I always believe and I always tell the, the, my students that looking from the positive point of view, if you're already sure. inside the country and you you have a, a degree and some experience, you can probably look into getting a good salary. But 
looking at it as as uh, from an employee point of view and labs that actually uh, employ a lot of technicians, it's going to be hard. I do believe it's going to be hard here in the in the UK. So when you teach your students, like how do they find their way? Have you ever had that conversation with them? Do they know people who know people that are technicians or? Well, I think most of them, it's, they learn about, they probably want to go into dentistry, but they don't have enough grades to go into dentistry. Wow. And then they think, oh, okay, what's next? Okay. And they go into dental technology. Of course, there is always... Um, people that actually come from families of dental technicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I have a couple of students this year that came into dental technology because they want to do, and uh, I apologize if I'm using the wrong word here, but you know, the, those grills, I think it's grills that the oh, rappers the have. With the yes. I have two students that came into dental technology because that's what they want to do in the future. Huh. And uh, I was laughing. I was like, do you really think that's what you're going to learn in a dental technology course for three years? <laughs> well, at least they'll look decent. <laughs> no, no, I totally and accurate. I totally, at least yeah. it's someone that actually knows what they're doing yes i do agree with that so we get we do get a little bit of everything yes it's it's i think it's all around the world dental technology is it's still that kind of uh, profession that it's not well known right every everyone still thinks that uh, the dentists are the ones that make the crown or make may they make the danger yep. so our job is still a little bit um hidden uh, in the shadow and no one knows anything about the uh, the, the profession which is a big problem in um, in terms of university and academic in the academic field as well because if you look at a lot of what's done in terms of research most of it it's still done by dentists because yeah. the ones that actually do the master's degree and have the PhDs and and do the big yeah. big research everything is still done by dentists which is, is sad because our profession has been around for for a good amount of years, 20, 30 years now, especially at university level. We do need more and more uh, technicians that actually go into these high academic degrees so they can start doing the research and not only doing the research, but guiding the future dental technicians into those research fields. Because if, if I look at my, my situation right now, doing a PhD, in three to four years, when I go and, and try to defend my thesis in front of the, all the PhD professors, probably 95% of all the teachers in front of me looking into my, uh, my research paper, they will be dentists. They won't be dental technicians. So yeah. it's, it's good to build that team, and that group of dental technicians in the higher levels of a university. I think it's amazing. I had no idea it even existed that you could be a PhD in dental technology. Are there a lot of them over there? In Portugal, I, f- in Portugal, yeah. I think there's only two. <laughs> really? In Portugal, I think there's only two. In the UK, uh, I just, I'll be honest with you, I just started uh, teaching at Bolton University uh, a year ago. But inside that university, we have one PhD dental technician and he's from Greece. When he came came to the UK, he already had the PhD uh, degree. So there is a lack in that part of our uh, profession. Well, good for you and good luck on it. (laughs) We'll need some luck, yes. In time, especially time. We'll make sure we follow up with you in a couple of years. I don't know how you're going to do this and a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We were having that conversation at the beginning, and uh, I, I do admit that when I started looking into the podcast, I really, really thought there would be something that this is not going to take any of my time. Oh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I just record some really nice conversations. At the beginning, I was thinking, I want to talk with Portuguese technicians that work abroad, so I know the experience of them outside of Portugal. It's going to be really easy. And then you go into that rabbit hole. Say, oh, I want to do this. I need to do the editing. Oh, I want to put a little song at the beginning. <laughs> you do all the editing. And then I went into, and I do, I do thank you because you were really open about me stealing, uh, and I'm going to say stealing uh, some of your memes. <laughs> oh, he's so good at those. <laughs> I know. I know. But I do, I'll be honest, because I've been listening to your podcast for so long, I was saying, look, Elvis and Barb, they're not <laughs> going to take this in a wrong way. And if I'm going to just borrow a couple of memes, because I had no idea. The thing is, I had no idea. When I started the social media uh, platforms, I was just thinking, okay, I'll start a Facebook and Instagram page. 
I'll just put the episodes there and people will yeah, follow that's me. what we did. And then I was yep. like, wait, wait, people are not going to follow you if you actually don't put any content there. Mm-hmm. So I need to put something there. So I was like, oh, no, I know I need to spend some time on this. Should I <laughs> yeah. just put pictures of work? No, there's already a lot of that. Should I put yeah. research papers on the, the social media? Yeah, people are not going to sit on their phone looking at research papers. No, I need to find something a little bit more interesting. Then I went back to your podcast and your social media. Let's see what these guys are doing. Ooh, memes. <laughs> oh, this is a really good idea. Let me see if I can. But because I needed content at the beginning, I didn't have any memes at the point. And I didn't know how to do them, to be honest. With you. It's an art to actually know how to do them. I'll see. <laughs> what I'll do the first couple of weeks, I'll just steal a couple. I'll send a message asking, uh, just letting them know, say, look, I'm going to do this. I'm not trying to steal and just get the ball rolling in my social media, which was exactly <laughs> what I did. And uh, now I'm, if, I know that you follow my uh, social media page, although it's in Portuguese, so it's not. I know. I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to steal some too. <laughs> but I'm getting a bit better now, but I do agree with Barbara. Elvis plays at a, a different league. He plays at a Champions League level in memes. <laughs> he's, yes. he's, he's putting memes out almost every uh, two or three a week. I'm putting like one a week and I'm struggling. <laughs> the sad part is, is I do one every day. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. I don't know how you have the time. The, the, not only the time, but the creativity to do it. Because he's a dork. I'm a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, so I want to know about your podcast. So how the heck did you come up with that idea? And how long has it been around? Oh, we just we started um, maybe six, seven months ago, probably around that. We do do less episodes. So we do one every two weeks. No ideas, Barb. No. Uh, no. no. <laughs> Wait, are they a full hour or half an hour or how long? Normally we do a full hour, yeah, but we're not Good. too strict about the time. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, Some, we're not either. Sometimes I do. We do forty minutes. Sometimes we do an hour and a half. Uh, we do have a little one or two that are a little bit longer, and you break them into two, like you guys do. Yeah. That's a great part about podcasts. You're not yes. held to a certain Oh, podcast. yes, you are. Elvis likes to go an hour. Do not lie. <laughs> At least 58 minutes because I'll be texting him saying, wrap up, wrap up. I got to go back to the bench. And then you know, we keep going, which I don't mind. But yeah, so tell the truth. <laughs> so who was your first guest? Well, our first guest was actually one of the students for that course. Uh, well, the, the first student for the uni- first university course in in Portugal is one of like the old school teachers in, uh, in the dental technology course, and we thought that because his name is so big, not only at, at the university level but big in Portugal in the dental technology uh, department, we invited him to be the to be the first one. Yeah, was he a good friend? Because that's how we started. No, he is. Yeah, yeah. We begged all of our friends to be on it. That's how <laughs> oh, we got no, started. He is. Yes, he is. He is, <laughs> okay. he is a close friend, and uh, yeah, he's actually one of my coordinators for my PhD. So now it's a close friend. He's a really nice okay, guy yeah. with a lot of years of, uh, of experience. So yeah, that's that's basically what we're doing with the podcast now. We started, uh, like I was telling Elvis at the beginning, I think that when the idea came to my mind, I wasn't thinking about uh, Voices for the Bench, but I do, and I fully admit that, because I've been listening to you guys for so long, I think that in the back of my head, you guys had a lot of influence in that podcast and actually starting the podcast. So I thank you for, for that. And I do think that you guys are doing an amazing work there. When I found out about it, I thought it was super cool, you know, that there's other ones out there. I hope that they do start to do more. I think one one here in the UK would be amazing because the market here is a lot bigger than the one in Portugal. Uh, I agree. One, yeah. one that I would love to to start to listen to would be one in Brazil because Brazil has is a big, big country in terms of dental technology. So yeah. I, I would love to see um, some podcasts from there. I think that would be amazing. So who's your co-host? My co-host is a Portuguese dental technician. Uh, he's in Portugal because uh, I do because I, I was doing the podcast um, in Portuguese and interviewing dental technicians in Portugal and he did someone that was actually in the country yeah. so, uh, and he's a close friend he went to, to do the course with me in, in Japan and we've been friends for a lot of years and uh, I was thinking okay I'll invite him just see if he wants to do it if not I'll find someone else and he was really excited at, uh, at the time to do it and we, we still do it 
he's always busy. His life is a bit uh, is a bit crazy with the, the lab, and he has three kids and teaches at a university as well. So his life is a bit crazy. So it, yeah, one thing that uh, we tried to do at the beginning was actually prepare all the interviews and asking people for their CV so we can prepare some questions. And and now, <laughs> and now we're a bit more like yeah, well, let's just sit down and see what what comes out. Yeah, that's how we roll exactly. now. We uh, we started the exact same way. We had lists of questions and <laughs> and we were super I, anal yep we were super super anal <laughs> and <about> rusty <laughs> and rusty and then we quickly found out if you go into an interview with 20 questions and you get through the first three the conversation went wherever it went yeah. and you never mm-hmm. got to the last you know 18 17 questions that were left yeah. so we just stopped doing the questions and just let it go and yeah that's the way to do it one thing that we still do we do a bit different but we do have two questions. We normally have two questions that are the same to everyone at the, the very end. We keep that from the first episode all through the, the podcast. And what is uh, that? We, yeah. we end the, see if I can translate it into English. So we end the podcast with a question that roughly translates into, was this the professional path that you wanted to do in your life? Hmm. And um, if what's your hobbies? So we've been talking about dental technology the whole time. What do you actually do outside of the dental world? Oh, yeah. I like that. That's a great question. So people know a little bit more of, about that person outside of all this professional career and what he does, and just a little, just get to know him them a little bit better. Yeah, and then the crazy people like us who do dental podcasts in our free time yep. outside of doing dental work. Yep. <laughs> we don't get away from it. <laughs> I know because I do I do have some some people that we interview that say, "Oh no, when when is it time that someone interviews you guys?" Yes. It's time for you guys to be interviewed. And I always think, well, the moment they turn to me and and ask this question, so so what do you do? Outside of the lab, say, so, well, I do the podcast, I do the university, <laughs> the PhD. So it's it's still dental. It's still dental. my part time is still. It's sad to say this, but it's still dental. It's still related. I make dental day. memes. <laughs> I do, yes, that's the fun part. Yes, that's when I'm doing something yeah. fun. I'm doing dental memes. Yes. <laughs> so do you guys have like a set day that you always record on, or do you just try to fit it in? No, no, we record on Sundays. At around eight at night, nine at night. So when people wow. already finished their weekend, put the kids to bed, the moment they're sitting in front of their sofas, just watch a little bit of TV. We try to convince them to have a little conversation with us for uh, for an hour. Yeah, we try to program maybe four in advance. So every uh, four episodes, we sit down, we choose the next four. Uh, technicians we're going to interview then we send some messages and emails to organize everything we at this point we didn't have anyone that actually said no uh, yeah we, uh, it probably happened to you guys some people it's a bit harder to to actually manage to organize a day so we move it, it and move it and all of a sudden just say look it's not gonna happen might as well just bring someone else but actually someone saying no no i don't want to do it no we didn't we didn't had anyone i think everyone loves the, yeah. the podcast and everyone wants to, to talk a little bit about their stories and the and the, the dental world there's always a couple of questions that you can always ask that will lead into a conversation at least for 15 20 minutes if you if you're interviewing a, um, maybe a, an older technician been doing this for 20 30 years and you ask them so how do you look into the dental world right now with all this cat cam and where do you think it's going dental technology with all of this cat cam and printing that starts a conversation that lasts for another 20 minutes oh oh absolutely That's always, <laughs> yeah it's a safe question yeah yeah you start to learn the questions that will get balls rolling <laughs> yes absolutely yeah yeah i can think of less than five people that have said no to us and it's various reasons. It's not like they don't want to. It's either that they can't, you know, depending on where they work or who they work for. Yeah, true. Or they don't feel that, that they can add to it. And it's so untrue. Just some people are nervous. But other than that, I mean, I'm sure just like it is for you, it's super easy to find guests because everybody loves to share. I mean, it's just such a great community and industry that, that it's just nobody doesn't want to participate in it. Yeah, And you can find in different, different, different sectors. It doesn't need to actually just be a dental technician. We got a couple of weeks ago because we have a dental uh, magazine in Portugal. Oh, It's called Lab Pro. 
uh, we have a dental magazine in Portugal. So you can interview the, the editor of the magazine. So, so how does the how did you start with this idea of the magazine? Uh, how does it work? Do you send? Do you actually go to the labs and do the interview? There's a lot of people that actually work. I don't want to say outside of the technology, but but around the the people that just sit on the bench, the the people that sell them the materials, the people that develop the materials. So there's just a lot of people, interesting people to talk that we have no idea. Right, we just sit in the lab every single day, and then the magazine comes, and you just open and read. Say, but how do they get into all of this material that they put in the magazine? Or how did they actually get into developing this new lithium desilicate framework? You can always go back to some someone that's doing the research. Say, look, just sit here for an hour. Let's just talk. Yeah. We have a very unique one coming up here soon, where we talk to a gentleman that does tattoos on people of dentures. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's not a technician a te- at all. Technician. <laughs> it's just, hey, here's something that relates to our industry. Let's learn about it. And I thought it was a great conversation. Yeah. Because he taught me all sorts of stuff about tattooing I had no idea about. You you guys had one interview that I'm still trying to do the, more or less the same in Portugal that it, you interviewed. I can't remember his name and, and I apologize for that. A uh, gentleman in the US that actually does like the fake dentures for movies, like the pop oh, yeah, dentures no. for vampires yep. and all that. I remember, I remember that. I'm still trying to find who does that in Portugal. So I won't interview that person. I'm still struggling to find who does that. So you can find these little, these people that do, it's, it's kind of different from dental technology, but at the same time, it's still dental technology. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good episodes uh, that can be made outside of the, the normal dental technology uh, field. So is it mostly uh, in Portugal that you find all your guests or do you have any that you have that surround you in the UK? So is it? Most most of them work in, are Portuguese. Okay. Uh, Port- Portuguese technicians. Uh, we do, and I'm still open to do some, and I'll, I'll post this episode when it comes out on our platform as well. I do have an, uh, an interview with um, one of English uh, technicians. It's all in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is is uh, the the owner of the lab that I work, uh, Steve Campbell. He's the um, he's actually the president of the Dental Laboratory Association here in the UK. So I managed wow. to sit him down and just have a, convers- a little conversation, a little bit more into looking into um, how the dental technology is right now in the in the UK, the, how the how the situation for the labs, legal part, also how is it for uh, Portuguese technicians to come into the UK, so having that kind of conversation with uh, with him, I try to get more Portuguese technicians that work abroad, so outside of Portugal, which mm. I think it's always a good story, and people yeah. want want to listen to how things are done outside of of, of Portugal. Is the the techniques the same? Is the market the same? Do they do, do use the same materials? Are they ahead in terms of CAT CAM or not? So it's 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 always good episodes as well when you get someone from 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 abroad. Hmm. We did, we I think you guys did interview a, a Portuguese dental technician this year. Dora, that's it, Dora. I Dora remember Rodriguez. Yeah, does the all on four. Lives in New Jersey. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she was amazing. I need to bring her to the podcast as well. You should. I need to get her. I need to send a message. Let me get through these next four. And I'll send her a message. <laughs> and a shout out to Gary Archer. If you know who's doing movie prosthetics in <laughs> Portugal, reach out, man. Let's get you that cool guest on. Which uh, episode will this be? Because I know you guys are getting close to 200. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. Amazing. 200. I don't know how you guys do it. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we do it either. Oh, yep. God. And we still, we still get along. <laughs> but please don't stop please don't stop because i'll it's it's really nice it's really nice to listen to your episodes even from uh from for me that a portuguese dental technician living in england you might think that ah people outside of the u.s are not interested in listening but trust me people are interested in listening to it and see how things are not only in the the u.s but other people outside of dental technology like you guys interview it's good podcasts. It's really good episodes. Thank you. Oh, we appreciate it. And uh, 
I'll, I'll make sure I send that check to you here soon. I was going to say, there's saying. somebody on our fan page uh, that we discussed that <laughs> this past week. So, but I won't reference that <laughs> now. But yes, thank you. That's nice to hear. One thing that I think we, we'll ever manage, we'll, I think we will never manage, is to actually get a sponsor. We'll never get a sponsor. We're don't just, say never. We're just too small. We're just too small. We don't have the reach that you guys have. Not only because you do it in English, which has which gives you a, a bigger reach than just in Portuguese, but our market is really small in Portugal. Really, really small. So we have like maybe 600 dental technicians in the whole country. How can you have 600 dental technicians but three universities that teach it? Well, probably have more. I'm saying 600, we will probably yeah. have more. Probably have more. I do admit it just that. seems... But yeah, amazing to me. It's, it's good for for a country that size with three universities. Yes, two are yeah, private. Yeah, I would say so. Two universities are private and one is public. Yeah, so one belongs to the, the, the government because Portugal is a socialist country. So you do have uh, free education. So one is public from the government and the other two are private. You will pay a little bit more yeah. to study in them. Not not close to, to, to the numbers you pay in the US. Not even close. Not yeah. even close. It's just good old it's just, America. It's day. It's day <laughs> and night. That's why it's, I was advising any listener at the at the beginning if they do want to follow that route, uh, have a look at what's available outside, like in, in Portugal, because I do know that they do e-learning for a master's degree and they do teach it in in English, and it's a recognized university. So, well, make sure you send me a link to that school, and I'll put it on this episode. I will send you a I link. Think people yes. should check it out. Yeah, I will send a link. If, and if anyone at any point is interested or want a little bit more information or ask questions, uh, just go to my Facebook and just send me, a, drop me a message, or even on the the podcast, just drop me a message on podcast on the podcast uh, yep. platform. I'm the one that runs all the. The, the social media awesome i will answer to any any questions well same to you hugo keep doing what you're doing uh, yeah. we love it and thank you so much for coming on our podcast and talking about it yeah does this mean that you guys are open if i do an interview to you sure <laughs> absolutely i i don't know any portuguese i can't though. yeah i was just gonna say i can't speak portuguese but i barely grasp the english language actually <laughs> So. <laughs> I've been following yeah. your struggling uh, uh, all through these podcasts. Uh, <laughs> people's names. Yes, I've been following that struggle. Yes, I just um, embrace it. <laughs> I will get someone to help me with the interview uh, that knows English. Uh, so don't worry. The whole, we awesome. won't be doing it in Portuguese. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Hugo. Again, thank, thank you so you. much. No, thank you. Hopefully someday we get to meet each other. That'd be great. Yeah, it would. If, if at any time I could pop by, um, maybe, and do you know that you have a lot of dental shows in the U.S. comparing to Oh, yeah. Europe. Lab Day Chicago, Chicago in February. Yeah. One that I always remember, the one in Chicago. So, yeah, if any time I go there to teach a course or presentation or just go to a dental show, I will let you guys know. Absolutely. I'll make the trip. Thanks, Hugo. Have a great day. Have a great one. See you. Bye-bye. Did you know that most InLab MCX5 users that have ordered burrs from Grow3x once keep on ordering Grow3x burrs over and over again? No way. You know what? I didn't know that. Why do you think that is, Elvis? I think it's because Grow3x burrs are engineered by some of the same folks who have been providing burrs to some of the largest U.S. production labs for years. Did you also know that most roll-ins and DG Shape users have no idea what they are missing out on? Well, I think I can guess what they're missing out on. You are right. Most Roland and DG Shape users have absolutely no idea how good and great Grow3x burrs are because they think that the Grow3x burrs are only for the in-lab systems. Well, they are wrong. <laughs> to give Roland and DG Shape users the opportunity to find out for themselves how great the burrs are for their machines... Grow3x is now offering a buy three, get two burst free special. This is exclusively for Voices from the Bench listeners, you guys, so please go support them. So all you simply have to do is go to the Grow3x website. That's grow3x.com, click on burrs, then select Roland and DG Shape, add five burrs of your choice to your cart, click on checkout, enter the discount code, B3G2. That is 
B as in boy, the number three, G as in girl, the number two, burrs, and check out. That's awesome. You know what? We actually have a code, Elvis. Boom. That was easy, guys. Go for it. Free burrs. Use them and use them well. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Grow3x. Thank you. A big thanks to Hugo for coming on our podcast to tell us your story. If only I understood Portuguese, but I don't. It sounds like an amazing podcast that I would truly be interested in listening to. So be sure to check out this episode's notes as we have included all of the links to check out his podcast and social media, along with the links to the schools that he was talking about, just in case you get inspired to get your master's or your PhD in dental technology. Thanks for all of you shared and all that you are doing for the industry, Hugo, and a good luck on getting your PhD. Really amazing. Are you going to go for your PhD, Barb? No. It's never too late in life to get that <laughs> higher education. I think you can do it. I do like higher education, but uh, I think I'm done for it for now. Yeah, I don't think I could uh, co-host a podcast with a, someone with a doctorate. <laughs> I would just look too stupid. I don't think I could do it. Never. I'd be too intimidated. But you could always. I could wait for you to do it. I'm good. And then I'd be hosting with you. I can barely sit through an hour-long show without falling asleep. <laughs> there ain't no way I'm going to read a book. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. I know. <laughs>